Friends, I realize that this is not our, um, the normal way that we gather when it comes to worship, um, but we're all adjusting to a new normal. And I think where I'm finding a great bit of comfort is that even when everything in our lives seems to be like turned upside down, that we serve a God who um, does not change. We serve a God who does not wring God's hands. We serve a God who is not wondering how to take care of us, but instead knows what it is to journey with us through the valley of the shadow of death. In Psalm 23, that's what the psalmist says, that we're moving through the valley. We don't live in the valley. We don't change our address to the valley, but instead um, God takes us from a place that's difficult and moves us to a place of promise. And so I pray that as we are gathered in this new way of worshiping together, um, that you would know that we're going to do this uh, in a new way, that it might feel a little bit awkward, but that you don't just simply sit and watch us worship, but that we're going to invite you to also worship with us. That may mean that there are going to be moments when you cry, you can cry. There might be moments when you just begin to pray, you can pray. There might be moments when you need to stand up um, and offer up your uh, loud hallelujah to God, that you can offer up your loud hallelujah to God. But that this is not us worshiping to you, this is us worshiping with one another. The psalmist says at the end of Psalm 23 that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And I think we need that. Where we cannot find the joy, where we cannot find the mercy, that we might trust that maybe even in the midst of this worship service, that God's goodness, that God's mercy, that God's joy, that God's love, that God's power, that God's provision will chase after us. May it be so as we worship God in spirit and in truth. We may be apart, but we can worship together. You. 
moments like these when everything around us feels so uncertain, when we're not quite sure what to say to you or what to do, when we cannot fix a situation because the situation is too great for our own human capacity, our own human wisdom, that we know that we can call upon you, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Everlasting Mother, goodness beyond goodness, grace beyond grace, bread from on high, water from a rock. And God, you also say to us that it's not even about us knowing your name, but that you also to call us by name. You call us your beloved. You say that we are your chosen one that we belong to you. So God, in this moment, um, as everything around us seems to be so uncertain, might we know, though, that you are holding us in the palm of your hands, that you know our name, that you walk with us, that you're nearer to us than even our next breath. Gracious God, would you remind us that you cannot fail us? Will you remind us that you will not leave us or forsake us. That as we walk through the fire, as we tread through the waters, that you will be with us. We pray especially this day for our neighbors who find themselves in vulnerable situations. That today might be the day that they know that they're loved. God, would this be the day that for someone who's 
started off with a job at the beginning of the week who might end this week without a job, but Lord, they might know that they are loved. For folks who find themselves ill or alone or wondering, that God, this might be the day that they know that they are loved. That God, even if we may not know their names, God, that you, you might draw near that they might know that you know their names. God, would you be with us? Would you walk with us? Would you journey with us? Would you remind us that you are the living God and that you will not let us go? And so we offer ourselves to you, placing our lives and all of our concerns and our worries in the palm of your hands. Because we know that you are trustworthy, God, that you are faithful, God, and that you are near. May it be so, Lord, that today we might experience peace like no other, as we hear you whispering our name, that you love us, and that this is a day that you will not let us go. So we offer this prayer in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Our lectionary gospel lesson this week comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 9. It's verses 1 through 41. And so because it's a pretty lengthy passage, but it is necessarily lengthy, um, I will invite you to take a moment sometime later today or this week and read the passage in its entirety. I will skip around a little bit, but we'll allude to uh, the entire passage. So I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. Um, and then we'll skip around a little bit. It reads as follows. As he walked along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means scent. And then he went and washed and came back able to see. And the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, and then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Shalom and wash. And then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Let's go to verse 30. And the man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he, meaning Jesus, comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins and you are trying to teach us. And they drove him out. And then Jesus, when Jesus heard that they had driven him out and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him and the one speaking with you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see. And those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Mm. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, from the many places where we find ourselves, where we're sitting, what is around us, for the many things on our minds, bring us once again to a place of stillness, that you will meet us right where we are, that you will speak to us in a myriad of ways, in a myriad of places, but often as one, because we are all your people. We are one body. So bring us in from these places, God, and make us fully present, that as you speak, we may hear, we may receive, that this word might take root, that it may grow, and that it may bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jesus is walking along a very ordinary kind of task on a daily basis, and he is with his disciples, and they come upon a man who is blind. And so when they see this man, the disciples ask Jesus, they say, well, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus corrects them. He says, no one sinned. That is not the reason for his blindness. And so Jesus heals this man. He spits. Actually, spit was a very common medicinal property back in the day. Thank God that's changed. <laughs> but it has um, no longer so now. We want to keep away from people's spit. Yes. This is my church up here. Yes. Um, but he spits and he creates mud and he puts this paste on this brother's face, on his eyes. And he says, go and wash and come back. This man comes back and he can see. And so people are astonished, as people often are when there is a healing. But people begin to ask questions. You know, is this really the beggar who we saw begging every day? And one person says, oh, yes, this is him. And another says, no, it's just one that looks like him. And then people are like, well, who healed you? Well, Jesus healed me. Well, are you sure it was Jesus? And then the Pharisees, the religious rulers, catch wind of this healing. And this healing that is done on the Sabbath, no less. Hmm. A no-no, according to the Pharisees, and their interpretation of Jewish scripture. And so they bring this man in to be questioned. And they question him over and over and over again because they have this thought about who Jesus is. And in order to make sure that their thought is true, they need for these actions, the very thing that has happened, this healing, to not be true. Mm. And so they ask him and or his parents over six times, who healed you? 
Are you sure he healed you? Because who they believe Jesus to be a sinner is not congruent with the healing that can only happen by someone sent or anointed hmm. by God. Finally, this man kind of gets, you know, frustrated. He's like, look, I have told you over and over again. It was Jesus. I've told you the truth and you just don't want to hear it. And that gets really much under their skin. They get angry and they say to him, you who was born completely in sin from birth are trying to teach us as if they too weren't born in sin. And they cast him out because his lived experience challenged what they believed to be true. Well, Jesus catches wind that this man has been um, kicked out, put out by the religious rulers and he finds him and he invites him back into relationship. Jesus, who had proclaimed that we must do the work now that God has sent us to do while it is day, while we live, because when night comes, we can do nothing. Jesus, who had proclaimed that as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This Jesus invites this man back into relationship. And he says this to him. He says, I have come for judgment. I have come so that those who cannot see can see and those who see can be made blind. Well, some of the Pharisees were overhearing this. Maybe, perhaps they weren't quite convinced that it wasn't Jesus. They're overhearing him and so they ask him a very peculiar question. These who could not be wrong and can't be wrong. They say to Jesus, we can't be blind, can we? Is it true? Are we blind? And Jesus says to them, he says, if you were blind, you would be without sin. But since you proclaim that we see, your sin remains. Now, there are so many sermons in this passage of scripture, and I'm not going to preach all those sermons. But I do think that there are two points that are very specific to where we are situated right now. In a season both of Lent and in a season of, of managing and fighting a pandemic that we've never seen before. Hmm. And so I want to lift up two points. The first point I want to lift up for you to consider today is that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it's thinking we have it all figured out. Hmm. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It is thinking we all have it figured out. So this is also a line from one of my family's favorite artists, Andy Mineo, in his um, song, Clarity. And I think it is a very profound statement because if we really pay attention to the last thing Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says, if you were blind, you would be without sin. But because you say we see, your sin remains. I am proposing to you that it's not that um, the Pharisees weren't blind. As a matter of fact, I would consider us all to be a little blind. Mm. It was, it is in this moment, perhaps God or Jesus in, in this in particular is saying to us that there is this correlation between sin and an inability to be humble. Mm. That our inability to be humble is directly connected to our sin. And so it isn't so much that we all aren't blind, that we all aren't really in the same situation. More so, it is whether or not we are open to a shift, whether or not we're open to our eyes being open when God does 
when God comes forth to do that. Or whether or not we are able to admit our limitations. And so, I am reminded of a story that my husband once, soon, um, not too long ago, reminded me of. One that you all have probably heard many, many times. A man is stranded on a boat. And he prays to God to come and save him. A boat comes, another boat comes by. He sends them on the way because, you know, he's waiting for God to save him. A plane comes. They swoop down. He sends them on their way because he's waiting for God to save him and so on. And so when all of these people come by to help him and he resists them because he's waiting for God's salvation, and all of a sudden, God doesn't show up the way he thinks. He gets angry with God. And angry, angry in such a way that he says, God, why have you not shown up? And God says to him, but I did show up. I just didn't show up in the way that you thought I would. These are times when we must be humble enough to receive what God provides, how God provides. And that it doesn't matter whether or not we have these preconceived notions about how God should show up or how God will show up or even what God looks like. Because the face of God can take many, many forms. The reason faith has space for doubt is because doubt becomes the first basis for us knowing that we don't have it all together. For us knowing that we actually really need God. See, faith is believing without seeing. It is not knowing. It is not being sure. <laughs> it is trusting that when God shows up, we can receive what God gives. You see, when we have it all figured out, there is no room for faith because there is no need to see what we think we already see. And so in this time of Lent, as we continue our examination, as we continue to be reminded of how much we need God, and as we battle this pandemic as a community, this is a time for us to actively practice humility. We can actively practice what it means to be able to name our needs and see how God will provide through the community. This is a time not when some of us need and others of us provide, but rather this is a time when we all need and we all provide as the community. So I wanna be very clear. All of us need, we may need very different things, but we all are in need and we all have the capacity to provide as God's body. Faith is not, the, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it is thinking we all have it figured out. The second thing I want us to consider, and this is what I really want us to sit with for a moment. This is something that may actually even seem contradictory to the very first point. I can remember not too long ago watching Just Mercy. And when I watched it, there was a scene, the hardest scene for me to watch, this movie based on a book by Brian Stevenson. The hardest thing for me to watch in that movie was a scene about a man named Herbert Richardson who um, was put on death row after being accused of murdering a young woman. He was a black Vietnam vet who was released 
from the army because of mental illness. And I can remember that scene, literally that scene, where he says, I'm afraid, as he's going up to face his sentence. And all of his friends can feel his pain. You see it on their faces. And as he walks by, they have bars between them and they can't touch him. They can't make it. They can't go with him. And so as he goes up, what we find is that they begin to bang on those bars. They begin to use their voices to yell so that in his darkest moment, he knew that he was not alone and that was a point of light. Now, I want to be clear, they didn't dissipate his darkness, but they were the presence of light amid his darkness and that changed his experience. Here's the second point. We are the body of Christ. That means that we are the light of the world. Christ says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And as long as there is a body of Christ existing in this world, Christ's light is in this world. You are faith that is untested is not faith. It just isn't. I mean, I could say all day that a platform will hold our weight, but until someone actually stands up there and tests it, we don't really know for sure, right? We can proclaim in very light and airy days, days where everything is going beautifully, that our faith is the kind of faith that carries us through the darkness. But if in the darkness our faith cannot rise, then what we have is not faith. You see, darkness can skew our ability to see. But I am saying to you now that as the body of Christ and as the light of this world, no matter what dark situation we find ourselves in, we always have access to the light. And I think it is very, very important for us to get this. So I wanna make it very plain and very clear. Darkness is not the only opportunity we have to practice our faith. As a matter of fact, I would argue that we need God just as much in light times as we do in dark times. The difference is the darkness makes us sensitive to our need. We don't always acknowledge as much when things are going great that we need God. So whether in light or in darkness, God is always there. And we are always in need of God. So our need for God never changes, ever. We are just as fragile right now as we were a year ago. Life is fragile. That does not change. As a matter of fact, I would say that as this world changes around us, the beauty of our faith is that we serve a God who is steady who is unchanging, who is unmovable, yeah? yeah? And so what we get here is that to be the light of the world, on one end, it is doing for um, others what the friends of Herbert did for him, right? It is, I know I can't dispel your darkness in this moment, but I can show up as light to remind you that you are not alone because light is not just the change in a situation or it's not just 
seeing, light is also how we experience things. Light can change how we experience what we experience in this world. It can change how we carry things. But light in this moment is also, as the body of Christ, inviting others into this faith of ours. This faith that says that no matter whether we're high or low, up or down, our God is steady. We invite God into a reality. We invite others into a reality that we serve a God who is always there because we always need God. And so we are the light of the world. So as we move and as we practice physical distancing for safety, we also manage our emotional, mental, and spiritual health we reach out, even though we cannot touch. We remind one another that we are not alone in this thing. And what do we do? We are the light of the world, and that means that we are creatively finding ways to love. And when love is present, y'all, fear has to be pushed out. And the beautiful thing about fear being pushed out is that it creates so much space for the light to flood in. Let us pray. God of light, God of faithfulness, you are our rock. God who knows us, who sees us, who holds us, who is with us despite our fear and our doubt. God who remains always. Lord, we lean on you now. You are God, our provider. You are God, our way maker. You are God, our peacemaker. You are God, our healer. You are God, our sustainer. You are God, our deliverer. You are God. And we, God, are your people. And so rise in us the very things we need to rise in this moment. That as we all face the uncertainty of what is, that we will be reminded that in many ways we are always uncertain of what tomorrow holds. That we hold in our hands this reality that we don't know. And so in this moment we are reminded, God, that we must release what we cannot control to you and take hold of what we can. And I pray that you give each of us in our own individual ways the grace we need to do just that. Let this be a moment of practicing our faith that we may learn new things about you, that we may be fortified in knowing that you will show up and that we may be able to be your light in this world. God bless us, give us exactly what we need, and take from us any fear that will keep us from shining as bright as you desire. We pray these things in the name of he who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever, in Jesus' name.
prepare our hearts um, to offer up our gifts to God, which you can do by texting to give or offering up your gifts online. Um, I realize that it's one thing to talk about scarcity, um, but in this uh, season of living through a pandemic, we're not just talking about scarcity, we're actually like, seeing scarcity. When I walk down the aisles uh, and I see that there's no toilet paper, that level of scarcity sometimes creates panic or fear. But what makes us as people of God countercultural is that we don't talk about scarcity as being the final word, but we talk about abundance as being the final word. We serve a God um, who has the storehouse of heaven. I'm a God who says that there is always enough. And so even though it feels a little bit weighty to say, this is a time to still give of our gifts and our tithes and our offerings, we do so recognizing that God holds us that for those of us who are feeling a little insecure because we're like feeling the lack in our lives, that maybe when um, there are others of us in our community who place our gifts in God's hands, we'll see how those gifts are multiplied to meet all of our needs. And so whether you find yourself stretched or you find yourself in a place of generosity, um, let's give and believe that God is able to provide enough for all of us. We're grateful for our partners who are on the ground, who are helping us to see where there are needs in our community. And so this is our moment um, to be the church um, as we choose to be generous with one another. And so we pray that you will give with generous hearts today. And if we can trust God with our gifts, we can also trust God with our lives. Um, Donna mentioned that we are in the season of Lent. It's a time when we examine ourselves, where we recognize where maybe um, there are things that God needs to grow and also transform in us. And so um, you have uh, our litany of penitents that we have been uh, praying with one another throughout the season of Lent that we're going to pray together this day. It always takes a measure of courage to confess sins but it also takes a measure of courage to trust that God will forgive our sins. And so as we lift up our voices together, we know that God will not leave us where we are, but God will meet us where we are. And so let us pray together. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, have mercy upon us. From our pride, vanity, and hypocrisy, and from all our evil plans, Deliver us from our envy and malice, and from our hardness of heart. Deliver us from our sloth and worldliness, and our lack of compassion. Deliver us from our love of money, our hoarding of possessions, and our relentless desire to accumulate more. Deliver us from the lust for sexual pleasure that obscures the true gift of love in us and in others. Deliver us from the gorging of food, the indulging of our appetites and our neglect of the hungry. Deliver us from our hatred, anger, and quick temper, and from our reluctance to be reconciled with those we have hurt. Deliver us. Give us true repentance. Forgive us our sins of negligence and ignorance and our deliberate sins and grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit to amend our lives according to your holy word. Holy God, holy and strong, holy and immortal, have mercy upon us. Amen. 
And I'm going to invite us into a time of silence that you might offer up to God those things that might feel heavy on your heart, um, those things that maybe it feels too dangerous to say out loud, um, the things where you know you are breaking, or even the places where you have broken others, and that we might confess our sins before God in the silence of this moment. Children of God, hear this good news, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As forgiven and reconciled people, we would, if we were in a gathered community, we would stand up and we would exchange signs of peace and reconciliation. But what we are learning in this season is that there are other ways that we can be creative to be connected to one another, uh, because we truly are better together. And so if we're reconciled to God, we also need to exchange some signs of peace where we know that we're also recon reconciled to each other. So I'm going to actually invite you wherever you might be right now, um, unless you're driving, to take out your phone. And maybe this is the moment to text someone and to simply tell them that you are thinking of them or just to text them, peace of Christ be with you. Maybe this is the time to uh, send a FaceTime message to someone or to Marco Polo someone and to offer up a word of encouragement. Um, even though we might be physically distant from one another, we don't have to be disconnected from one another. And so if we might exchange signs of peace with those who maybe God has placed on your heart to connect with, as I exchange signs of peace with my friends here who are worshiping with me. Peace and Christ be with you. Also with you. If God. 
as we celebrate um, as a community the ways in which God is at work in us, we recognize that we uh, we're living in uncertain times, um, and yet we are held in the palms of a God who will not drop us, who will not forsake us. Um, and so we're going to be flexible and fluid, knowing that God will move with us wherever we might go. Uh, our leadership team here at our Southeast Raleigh table has made a decision that in the season of uncertainty, of not knowing how things may change, that between now and May 17th, uh, we are going to um, just pretty much decide that we're not going to be able to have collective worship uh, at our 1950 New Bern Avenue um, location. However, from Sunday to Sunday, we'll figure out ways that we can gather apart uh, and yet still worship uh, collectively uh, in our separate places. And so all of the things that we had prepared and planned for Holy Week and even uh, throughout the season of Easter, we are going to put those things on hold and we'll continue to communicate with you how it is that we will connect with one another even if we can't be in the same room with each other. Um, you will continue to get communication and if you need anything, if there's something, a, a need or um, a particular gift that you can provide that you would just let us know by calling 919-600-8513. That's our church number. Um, and we will respond um, and uh, offer up hopefully resources to whatever concerns you have or help you to unleash your gifts um, in this season of physical distancing with one another. Friends, as uh, we conclude this time of God holding all of our words, holding all of our prayers, holding all of our songs, May it be that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and the love of God surround you, and the Holy Spirit work within you, now and forevermore.